Welcome to Less Than 10, an EVE Online small gang PvP podcast. I'm Feyrel, and as usual, I'm joined tonight by Blood Ruin. Hey guys, it's good to be back. I'm glad that summer is almost over and I can get back to playing some spaceships. Yeah, I I think some I live on the West Coast and uh, Northern West Coast, and it definitely is over today. I was on a bike ride and it just poured rain the whole time and it was cold, so I guess that means it's, yeah, back to EVE. Yeah, I ride a motorcycle during the summer, and uh, it's always tricky. Like this time of year, I, I live in like a lower elevation, so even if rain's f- like forecasted, oftentimes it doesn't actually hit, or you know, it's really sparse or whatever. So I might risk it, and then I'm like riding home, and it's not coming down enough to be dangerous, but it's coming down just enough to be painful on my arms as I'm riding. You know, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, we do have a pretty cool show lined up today. Uh, if you're a newer player or maybe lack a few, a bit of oversight when it comes to PvP, you'll you'll really want to pay attention to this one because we're going to do a masterclass on drones. And then we're going to get into uh, just an overview of all the different flying styles you can kind of do in PvP, uh, which which should be really insightful, especially for newer players. Yeah, and, and the drones topic was really inspired actually by an Eve mail that both of us got from a listener asking about a specific situation. So we'll get into that at the end of the episode, and and I'm really, really excited to directly address some of that feedback. So it's good in that regard. Uh, also, just, uh, you know, we've had a couple sponsors. Uh, you're going to have to edit. <laughs> Also, we've had sponsors in the past, and uh, back again this week is the Azir, the same sponsor from a couple weeks ago, and they are a C2 Nullsec Corp, uh, and um, they're a tight core of players going back about nine years. Really cool dudes. Recently, I've seen some of their posts on Reddit of you know small gang, like five Drekovics and a Legion, uh, taking on carriers and uh, just harassing Nolsec. So it's really cool to see that they're not only, you know, sponsoring our content and involved with us, but then they're actively out there um, skirmishing and, and you know, really kind of walking the walk. So, uh, yeah, good dudes. Check them out. They recently changed their recruitment channel. Um, so if you want to hang out and talk with them and they're – looking for EU time zone, uh, I believe primarily, but their in-game channel is null static, all one word, all lowercase. You can join in-game to get in touch with them. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I just saw on Z-Kill that they killed the Knicks tonight, so if you want to get in on that. Ooh, okay. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just saw the, the NIDs recently. Yeah, maybe we'll see an, a- an AAR on Reddit. All right, well, with that, let's kind of get into our first topic, which is the Drone Mechanics Masterclass. So we did a masterclass with Setonia on Newts, and it was pretty well received. I enjoyed doing it. We kind of dive in. It's like a deep dive. takes a while. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. Um, so first of all, 
Well, we'll start with the basics is that there's essentially four main flavors of drones and one for each race in, in Evil 9, the Galente, Caldaria, Mar, and Minotaur. And the stats on the drones all differ uh, on a scale, the scales of damage, range, and speed. So uh, going from most damage, shortest range, and lowest speed is Galente. And then as you go through, it, it goes Caldari and Amar, and then Minmatar with the least amount of damage, the best range, and the fastest speed. There's also some general trends with um, like hit points and things that as you get deeper and deeper into drones, um, depending on the situations that you're going to be using them in, you might want to choose one over the other. Uh, for instance, um, while uh, faction drones do not do as much damage as the T2 counterpart, they actually have more EHP. So specifically, one that comes into use a lot is the Kaldari Navy Wasp or Vespa, um, the Kaldari Navy version of the drone. And it, it, it gets used a lot with Gila's and Rattlesnakes that have drone bonuses because it has so much extra shield EHP, almost about double compared to the T2 version, that when bonused, it actually can create a, a shield recharge effect. And so those specific drones um, are kind of one of those situations where it's got some unique stats that uh, will really help and, and benefit it in certain situations. Yeah, and the faction drones also track better, I believe, than their T2 counterparts. Yep. And it's also, we have to mention, uh, of course, the racial damage types. So uh, Glente, you know, Thermal, Kaldari does um, Kinetic, Amar, EM, and Minotaur Explosive. So a lot of times when I'm kind of looking at what drones I'm going to use in my ships, especially PvP ships, it's more that I'm picking a damage type than picking a drone uh, purely on, on its damage and speed stats so sometimes like if you're if you want to you know fly with light drones to kind of push off interceptors you're going to be looking at that that speed and damage uh, type of course uh, with the stiletto and the the uh, malediction being kind of the two most used interceptors but um yeah so the the damage type is also super important yeah and integrated and augmented versions um they have a little bit different area when it comes to that damage type they'll actually do split damage so for instance since i already talked about the vespas um, generally vespas will do kinetic damage only however the integrated which is like the t1 it's a little bit less damage than faction uh, like kaldari navy drones but so the integrated vespas actually do a split of both thermal and kinetic and then the augmented also do a split of thermal and kinetic and then as you look at the other drone categories, so for Mimnitar, they're going to do a split damage between explosive and... Let me look real quick. So for warriors, they're going to do a split damage type between explosive and kinetic. Um, and so they'll still do more of their, their initial type. So for instance, with those uh, warriors, they do uh, 13... Uh, explosive and seven kinetic so it's it's kind of like a 60 40 split or something along those lines yeah it's also worth mentioning the augmented drones um they're they're like a flavor of the faction drones 
they are very expensive. So um, if you have a bunch of ISK and you want to blend your drones, definitely look at the augmented ones. They're very, very good. Yeah, they were used primarily in alliance tournaments for a long time, but some people use them with gilas or, you know, um, worms oftentimes because they're kind of worthwhile in those situations where you're getting a, a bonus damage and bonus health out of them. And it's also kind of worth mentioning um, drones. Sometimes they're, the usability of them feels a little off uh, if you don't really understand how they work, which we'll go through later in this segment. Uh, you, you may just find you put your drones on things and good pilots are able to largely negate a lot of their damage. Um, so it's really you have to really pay attention. You want to make sure your overview is set up so you can kind of see where they are. Um, you want to be watching speeds of ships to see if your drones are able to catch them, things like that. Um, and then we should also mention sentry drones. So sentry drones are different than any other drone in that they're stationary and they, uh, they're they like a, a tower essentially, like with a turret on the top. And they, so they shoot, they have longer range generally, uh, but they, they don't move. So you have to scoot over to them to pick them up. And when you launch them, they're, they're stuck where they are. And sentry drones have differing ranges and tracking speeds. Um, and those follow the same pattern um, as far as Galente drone, sentry drones will do the most damage but have the shortest range. Uh, and Mimnitar drones will have the longest range but the least amount of damage. So and the same general trend of Galente to Kaldari, Amar, and then Mimnitar being the lowest output longest range and then there's to kind of categorize all of this there's really two ways that i see people using drones primarily uh, and that is either as an offensive tool to deal damage as like their main weapon system or as a defensive tool so with offensive you are talking a lot more about the combat drones that are moving that are chasing targets and applying damage and then defensive um a lot of times it it comes in one of two forms the first being small light drones that are trying to push off or uh you know hit small fast targets and and thus allow you to escape uh either that or ecm drones uh, and so ECM drones were recently changed. When ECM drones jam, they only jam for five seconds. So if you're using them as an escape tool, as soon as you see that scram drop, that scram icon disappear, you you have to be aligned and initiate warp. Um, otherwise, that other pilot is going to lock you back pretty quickly and be able to regain tackle. It's not going to be a full 20-second jam like it used to be. Yeah, it used to be very, very strong. Um, when they when they nerfed ECM recently, the the change was that they uh, the pilot being jammed can always target the pilot doing the jamming. Um, they kind of had to do something with ECM drones because they were still very strong. So what? Yeah, what they ended up doing is giving it a five second cycle on the jam duration, but the actual cycle of the of the activation takes 20 seconds so even with a hundred percent uh jam uh percentage you're, you're going to be jamming five seconds on 15 seconds off 
And like Blood said, five seconds, if you're flying like a heavier ship or even a lot of cruisers, you won't be able to get off grid in five seconds. So if, if you are using it for that defensive purpose, you really need to make sure you're pre-aligned. Spam that you see drones. If they get a jam, instantly warp. All yeah, before you'd have 20 seconds to you know jerk around, do whatever you want before you leave. Yeah, under the old mechanics, I remember in Alliance Tournament, there were a couple setups where we knew it was mostly just a DPS race. Um, and we would bring ECM drones just because they were powerful enough that us jamming our opponents, even just one or two ships, would negate enough damage for us to win, even if they were using all damage drones and getting extra damage output. Um, and so it was just kind of one of those situations after testing and testing and testing where we just determined it didn't even matter having extra damage output. It was it was more worthwhile to have ECM drones. Um, and like also because they were so annoying and they worked so it would cost so much DPS in those races. Um, enemy teams would have to prioritize killing our drones a lot of the time instead of applying extra damage to us. So either way, we were in a situation where we were ahead in a DPS race a lot of the time. There also are a whole bunch of other E-War drones, like new drones, web drones, but uh, generally they're very weak. Uh, you could try to use them if you like, figure out some kind of niche way, but uh, I have seen new drones used once where we had a, a, a larger ship tackled with a bunch of frigates and we couldn't break his active tank and someone uh, dropped some some new drones and it actually pushed his very close to cap stable, like just, just over cap stable tank into the negative. So he was no longer cap stable and we eventually broke him. Um, remote repair drones are another utility drone that, that is used, especially in bonus ships. Um, and I believe in, in AT, uh, remote repair drone use is probably seen more there than on Tranquility, but uh, but definitely effective as well, given the, the right circumstance. Yeah, I think on logistic ships, they'll you'll see them a lot more commonly than on anything else. Um, but, uh, and then AT, it depended a lot on rule set and what the, the current rules were, uh, but we use them sometimes in Chrono Search Rule. They're by default they're one of the set of drones in our nesters because um, a full set of five heavy re remote repair drones can be equivalent to a full large rep. So um, as far as just their their rep potential output, so you can you know have essentially a six rep nester with uh, with you know while still having the cap transfers that are available. Nice. And uh, did we really? We haven't really mentioned pushing off tackle, like light tackle, right? Using light drones. I glossed over it, but if you want to dive into speeds and stuff, that would be a good call. Well, the warrior is the fastest light light drone, so it's very common to see people use uh, warriors to try to push off interceptors. Um, even unbonused, like on an unbonused hull. A lot of ships will have at least 25 M3, so you can, you know, pack a set of light drones and and use them for that purpose. Um, you just want to, you know, sometimes again the the damage types come into play if you're pushing off a a, a tech two interceptor. You kind of want to yes. make sure that you're not playing into their their strength. So, um, 
you know, uh, the stiletto typically has an EM hole, but usually that's plugged with a single rig. Um, so, you know, you're, you're kind of okay going XBLO or EM. Um, some people do use the EM drones as well for, for, for this case as well, which would uh, be good against like a malediction. Yeah, anytime I'm flying like a turret-based cruiser or bigger, um, really anything that's not a triglavian ship or a rapid light ship, I think it's ne a necessity to carry a set of light drones. And I usually do warriors or acolytes. To be on the safe side, I kind of go warriors. They're faster. Um, but really, I think hornets and hobgoblins, for most interceptor pilots, they're going to be able to outrun them. Um, most interceptor fits are, are going to be able to outrun them at least enough to stay on grid or, or mitigate some damage until their their backup arrives. So usually warriors or acolytes are going to be the most reliable way to push off an early tackle ship. Speaking of outrunning drones, let's kind of get into that, how it is, why it works. Um, so what we mean when we talk about outrunning drones is either, you know, maintaining, maintaining your orbit on a target or even just pulling off in a straight line and getting your max speed. Um, if you can exceed the speed of the drones, you know, they're gonna not going to be able to catch up um, and apply damage to you. And the way that kind of works is the drones have an MWD. They light their MWD and they approach their target. Uh, once they get into a, a certain range around them, they will cut their MWD and start shooting. So the drone's optimal range kind of comes into effect here. Um, and also the drone's speed itself it gets really tricky and you kind of have to play with it. It's difficult to describe, but we're going to try. Um, I'll just go over some basic kind of uh, outrunning drone scenarios. So the first one we mentioned would be like a stiletto or a malediction tackling something and they put like drones on you. Um, and sometimes if I'm flying that ship and, and there's drones on me and I'm taking a bit of damage, I need more time. I'll just overheat my MWD. Uh, taking into account that it's going to be a little slower to turn. Like if you're using the orbit command, you're going to go in a wider orbit, but you can just see if you, once you overheat, all of a sudden you'll stop taking damage because you'll exceed the speed of the drone. Another good example was the old VNIs. And for a while I thought it'd be fun to try and kill VNIs in a 10 million-esque T1 frig. And my whole strategy revolved around uh, flying ships that had decent resists in the space so, you know, an angel space having decent uh, explosive resist and being able to outrun heavy drones. Um, quite often they were low skilled characters, you know, so uh, I was able to do that to success with multiple T1 frigs, which was super fun. But uh, I obviously these these ships would normally just be able to, if I slowed down, they would hit me because they track so well and they're, and they're fairly fast with drone nav comps. But, you know, if you can pick up your speed enough, you can kind of outrun them and they'll just follow you without doing without shooting at you so yeah the, the like i was kind of i pulled up warrior twos again as an example and the warrior two has a maximum velocity of about five thousand um and skills and bonuses can augment that um but then what happens is when they, they also have an orbit speed and this is listed on all drones and the attributes but the orbit speed is only 900 so when that drone gets close to its target, say its target goes about 4,000 meters a second, when that drone gets there, 
the drone AI goes, I'm going too fast. I'm within range to shoot, so I'm going to start shooting and orbiting. And it drops to that orbit velocity of 900. Meanwhile, your your ship that's going 4,000 might get hit with like one volley, but then as soon as the MWD shuts off, your ship's going to continue going 4K, and those drones are going to drop back, and then eventually they'll light their prop again. And so by timing your overheat cycles or by maneuvering your orbit so that you're constantly kind of dropping into that range and, and those drones go into an orbit and then you're kind of pulling away and um, you know by staying in a, a tighter orbit like that uh, you can really manipulate the drone AI sometimes so that uh, with timing they're not always applying damage to you um, and I think in interceptors I think a, a good interceptor pilot oftentimes can negate maybe like 50% of the damage and, and or stay on stay on grid twice as long as you know if you were just uh just trying to keep your normal speed going yeah and this is where a lot of uh prominent nullsec pvpers will will fly kite stuff with snakes and it really helps in this case because in a lot of a lot of ships the the line where you will you know take a bunch of drone damage and you won't is you know very close so the snakes just will push you over like uh in the retribution i fly i find that's the case quite a bit yeah and uh if i've <laughs> i've flown an interceptor with snakes and it's actually kind of just silly how easy it is to outrun drones um oh, absolutely yeah so the other side or the other aspect of drone MWDs that often gets overlooked is the MWDs actually do affect the signature radius of those drones. Just like MWDs expand the signature radius of your ship. And so if you're in uh, a ship and you're having trouble applying to those, you know, to drones um, because they're orbiting close, well, if you're kiting, causing, you know, getting a little extra range and causing those drones to play catch up will actually give you a better chance of hitting. Um, likewise, if you're like in a retribution, by starting to pull away, if someone else can hold tackle, you can not only get better tracking, but you can force those drones to light their MWDs and you can hit them. Um, in the Alliance tournament, my first year, uh, the rule set really favored drone-oriented compositions. And one of the best ways we found to deal with them, uh, a lot of teams would use these drone speed setups that would just, they'd put out drones, the drones would go about four or five K a second, and they were really hard to deal with because you couldn't necessarily outrun them very well. Um, most of the ships in in the, the team-oriented setup were, were cruisers or battle cruisers, um, and it would take a long time to shoot each individual one and kill them off. So we started using bombs from bombers, but what we found was if the drone ball, like this cloud of drones, if they were moving, but they didn't have their MWD on, so say... They had gotten to their target and they're shooting their target. Well, that was easier to land a bomb on them. However, one bomb wouldn't kill the drones. It would do about half the damage. But if those drones were moving, if they were approaching a target, right, moving from one target to the next, then if you landed that bomb, it would kill them in one shot. And uh, so I actually have a video, but there were a couple of times where um, either at the very beginning of a match, the drones would be coming towards us and we would try to time the bomb to land on that drone cloud that's moving like four or five K a second. 
or a couple of times the drones were on someone killing them but instead of trying to get that bomb and land it in a situation where those drones were just stationary around someone we would actually call out to let them die and the next person that they would yellow box on and start heading towards would have to call it out as quickly as possible and we would actually set up to land a bomb as those drones were moving toward them and myself and another pilot named strata uh were the two bomber pilots for that year and it was actually like some of the most fun flying ever uh very technical flying and challenging but uh it all centered around understanding the drone mwds understanding that mechanic and and really exploiting drones in a, a unusual way yeah that's talk about a skill shot landing bombs on mwd drones that's ridiculous yeah they people on the team would always joke about napkin math that like (laughs) we're over in our corner just the two bomber pilots like first we're like trying not to die like get one shot off the field but then uh beyond that we were you know trying to like get all these trajectories mapped out and like land a a good bomb shot um there's like some really in-depth bomb mechanics around drones too like in regard to that for instance, at one point we were thinking we're trying to develop a ta- tactic of, well, what happens if the enemies just throw all the drones on the bombers right at the start, um, knowing that we're, you know, that's our our main tactic for trying to to win this match. And drones, um, because of the way they fall back like that, one of the tactics that we actually figured out was the bombs have a 12 second flight time and your MWD has a 10 second cycle time. So if you timed it right, you could overheat your MWD and you could actually move faster than the bomb that you're launching. And then you could turn your MWD off and it's a two second window where your MWD shuts off and your signature radius gets small again, but the drones are still trying to catch up to you. So their MWD is still on and their signature radius is still big And if you time it just perfectly, the bomb would explode. It would kill the drones following you. You would end up being about five kilometers ahead of the bomb. So you're still in the radius, but the drones were still having to catch up to you and would be right about centered. And uh, you could could kill all the drones and you would take about half your EHP and damage. Um, And so with logistics and things, if you timed it really well, uh, and you were communicating like, hey, I'm going to be needing reps. I'm going to get hit by a, my own bomb here. Uh, like we called it suicide bomb because at that point, like you were either going to die to the drones or you were going to die to your bomb. But either way, if you could clear some drones off, it's a win. So uh, that was like, we. I never got to do it. I only did it in practice a few times. Like I did it against Exodus in practice, practice a couple times. And uh, one of one of the guys I knew on that team, like, chatted me afterwards and was like how did you kill my drones like i didn't i don't understand that it was it was really fun um but it's like all just exploiting that tactic of, so, of sounds like a uh, master class on bombing coming soon yeah maybe down the road we'll see <laughs> <laughs> so one other thing that i kind of want to mention which we didn't really mention at the beginning is uh all drone ships have two stats that allow them to use drones one is the drone bay and one is the drone bandwidth. Bay is how many you can hold. Bandwidth is how much uh, you can have active at once. So it's fairly common, you know, to have a larger bay than your bandwidth, obviously. Um, 
each drone takes up a different uh, amount of size in your bay. So lights are five, mediums are 10, and heavies are 25. Sentries are also 25. So uh, this gets interesting when you look at the Garista's bonus, um, which is like the, the pirate race that the rattlesnake is and the gila and the worm. So they have very interesting drone bonuses that we wanted to mention. They have smaller bays than normal and smaller bandwidth, but they have a bonus that gives them basically super drones. So you, you get two of your normal size drones um, instead of five, but they are very, very powerful. So for example, on the rattlesnake, it's a 275% uh, bonus to um, sentry and heavy damage and hit points. So there's also a faction drone called the Gecko. And the Gecko is a heavy drone that takes up the bandwidth of what two heavy drones normally take up. And I just want to highlight this because it, it's super cool. Without any mods to increase, or rigs, I should say, to increase uh, a drone's HP, these things are like mini cruisers running around. They only get one because it's, like I said, it's uh, twice the size of a normal, and the Gris's ships get essentially two of their normal drones. So they only get one, but raw hit points on a rattlesnake base no modifiers they have 4600 raw armor hp and 6700 raw shield hp so that's before resists which vary on them between uh you know zero and 60. so pretty crazy if, if you like rig it out you can have like a little 30k ehp drone <laughs> it's ridiculous not to mention they do a shitload of damage and they track insanely well they're very fast and have optimal range like no other. They're very, very good drones. They're also currently the most expensive drone on the market, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. They're, I think they're about 90 mil a piece, I believe. Yeah, they are, they are nuts and uh, very, very capable tools to use. And uh, one of the last topics I kind of wanted to talk about was kind of a tips and tricks area. And one that I've used particularly uh, in my own flying is the drone labels. So I see in a lot of videos and streams, people will label their drone groups um, based on damage or things along those lines. But something I saw in one video about two years ago uh, really caught my attention, and I've been using it ever since. So in the drone labels, you can add all kinds of information. And my favorite thing to add to my drone groups is speed. Um, and what that allows me to do is when I look at that drone group label, you could label a, a group, you know, wasps. But then I always put in parentheses what the speed of those wasps is. You can also put damage type. I do see that a lot more commonly, like kinetic, thermal, explosive, things along those lines. Um, but the speed part, especially for newer players, if you're still training skills, as your skills improve and they affect your, your drone speed, that's going to help you gain knowledge and understand what ships you can those drones can apply to. Um, likewise, even as a, a high-skilled character, if I'm flying around and there's a, a Garmer going a certain speed... Um, while intuitively I might know that, yeah, warriors are faster than hobgoblins, uh, being able to look at that speed difference 
and then you know in a different situation where uh, I'm fighting a, a a little bit slower ship like a, a wolf, um, I might be able to make a better decision about what drones to use. Not only because of either damage type, but also speed and and my skills. Then um, there are certain ships that have speed bonuses, like the Algos. Um, and so if you're fighting in faction warfare, uh, you can actually make a different label for that group. You could say, you know, Hobgoblins. Um, uh, like, I always used to use first letters, so I'd say, like, Hobgoblins A for Algos. Or if I was, uh, oftentimes I'd fly a very specific Stratios fit, so I'd put Hobgoblins S. And then in parentheses, I'd put the drone speed um, based on my character and that the, the skills that that character had. Uh, and then later, as my skills improved, you can delete that label and create a new one with an updated speed. Um, so using those labels, I think, is just like a really, really good tip. Uh, use them effectively. So if you're going to label them just ECM, um, think about putting a speed, think about putting a range, think about putting a jam time, some sort of reminder there that's going to help you to make a really good decision. Um, you know, and that's like kind of my my tip around drones that I think is universally applicable. And pretty much if you're a pilot, regardless of skill level, I think that can be really helpful. Yeah, I'm actually going to use that because I typically just name my drones like what they are. And then I have a couple... Whenever I'm flying like augmented drones, I call that group cash money. And when I'm flying ECM drones, I like channel my inner Pokemon red and I call it sand throw. (laughs) 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 Because I just envision like if you want to leave a fight, you know, always pick up some sand on the floor and throw it in the guy's eyes. Then like just put your tail between your legs and run. So that's EC drones or sand throw. Yeah, I like... One of the things that I, I pretty much never use sentry drones because I'm just not using them very actively in our type of PvP. Um, but then I went into a wormhole and I was just running sites for a little while in a rattlesnake. And I had curators that I needed to use for a certain part. Um, and I didn't I had no idea what the range was. And like shooting for five minutes, I realized like I just I wasn't even in range of the drifter battleship that had spawned. So I was like, oh, like. I should just label this with the range. I think they're like 70-ish K, you know? And I was just like, oh, I should just do that right now. Um, so yeah, those kinds of things, they just kind of, I think they're... Wait, yeah, wait, wait. So you're, you're telling me the guy that landed bombs on MWD drones, it took him five minutes to realize his sentries were too far away? <laughs> hey, hey, I'm good at like killing them. I, not, not always the not best. Not using them? them. <laughs> well, and so, sentries drones were always stationary so like that wasn't hard to bomb those you know i didn't yeah. have to memorize any stats on them so i want to talk about sentry drones a little bit and more fit we want to highlight two cool fits that are kind of unique and and kind of abuse drones so the first is a proteus a Cobops proteus uh that has zero tank uh has expanded probes and extreme range and uses uh sentry drones so the Proteus only gets 100 uh, megabits of bandwidth, so that's four sentry drones. But uh, all buffed up, um, you can reach these drones out really, really far with a bunch of drone link augmenters to extend your drone control range. 
you can basically tackle something with a really tanky alt or you know an interceptor or just use these to assist on an alt to assist in fights that you get so um with curators you're looking at about an 80 kilometer optimal depending how you script your mids and 520 dps with max skills roughly and then uh, with like so wardens for example super long range 114 kilometer optimal 57 fall off uh, but but poor tracking and even with wardens you're looking at 470 dps so it's super neat you could probe someone probe a grid warp in at range decloak drop your sentries and just align out and burn away and uh you know just continue to, to wreck them from super long range so it's pretty unique pretty cool um i mean they only have 15k ehp so don't get shot the other one is what's termed a skynet gila so the gilas uh use the garistas bonus that we mentioned and this it's ridiculous again they focus on long range minimal tank but you end up with uh, medium drones that can, you know, burn over 8,000 meters a second. So you're basically able to sling your drone damage around everywhere. And uh, typically you'll use rigs to extend the optimal range of that drone. Um, and you do that because how we mentioned before with MWD, um, if thing, drones get too fast, it, it gets pretty tough for them to actually apply their damage. So by extending that optimal range, it really helps you apply damage, even though you're so fast. So I haven't used Skynet Gila's, but I've been told that, you know, they will basically volley, inter in, like two volley interceptors. Yeah, and in the mid slots, you're usually using drone speed, like drone navigation computers to up the speed as well. So it's the combination of the two that really creates the benefit. If you're only doing one or the other, so say you do a lot of optimal range but not speed, then that interceptor can most of the time be outrunning your medium drones. If you're just doing speed but not optimal range, your drones might catch up and fire like one volley, but it's going to have trouble actually hitting them or getting a second volley off before the drones fall back. So the combination of the two is what really makes it deadly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if you want, you could like put a cloak on it too, or something like that to really, you know, add to the surprise, surprise drones, <laughs> if you wanted to, if you're more stationary, but if you're kind of roaming around, I would kind of maybe try this on the main for a first time if you're using the Gila, just because of, it's not Kovops cloak like the Proteus, maybe main it for a little bit before you decide to multi-box it, but it really is a good multi-box ship because once you're kind of set on grid, as long as you're not getting shot, you're you're kind of golden. Again, 15k HP on the fit I have. You could refit some of your mids to shield extenders. Um, but yeah, it's insane. Two little drones just whipping around, doing over 8k a second, tracking yeah, shit, I, wrecking frigs. I, would I really definitely... hope that in yeah, I really hope that in the future we don't see these uh, sitting on gate camp grids because that's we used to when we were what we would call warlording. So we'd be roaming around doing skirmishy stuff. And then if we weren't getting fights, we'd try to sit in, you know, a very popular travel system and we would set up some bubbles and we'd start essentially gate camping with our nano gang ships. But uh, occasionally we'd bring like a similar setup to one of these and uh, we would deploy drones. We'd assist them to somebody. So they'd be sitting, you know, at the bubble um, and then we would cloak that ship. So then as soon as something lands, 
you would decloak, you'd reconnect to your drones, and there's no travel time for those drones because they're already at the location. And then once you could actually get lock or you would assist them, they they would just apply damage very quickly. Um, and, they, <laughs> you know, suddenly, like, someone's landing on grid in a bubble. Even for, like, a legitimate fight, like a battleship warps in, thinking to take on, like, three cruisers, and suddenly now there's, like, an extra thousand DPS of, like, you know, two gilas that have decloaked to just instantly applying and it becomes a, a real problem for them. So yeah, for sure. So that's, that's our drone masterclass. Um, we didn't get, you know, too nerdy about it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it, but just to finish it off, we're going to have our listener question that kind of prompted us to do this whole segment, which is a, actually an incredible question. Um, so our listener asks, uh, when should you target your opponent's drones? I just finished watching Jocastus's video on YouTube and I noticed at times it is called out to attack drones and I'm curious about when you target drones rather than a ship from your guys' perspective. So that video he's talking about is the one we kind of talked about a couple times that a fight I was involved in and one of our ships was a carries and the carries had um, had some drones on him uh, hitting his hole, I believe. Maybe it wasn't his hole. I don't recall. But anyway, the drones, uh, the carries is a very cap sensitive ship and he just wasn't able to keep up over time. His cap was straining from having to rep because of the drones. And if we lost that carries, the fight would have went very, very differently. So in order to keep our carries on grid, we focused on removing those drones. So that's one case where you want to prioritize uh, drones with good communication and things like that, the carries saying that, you know, hey, these drones are kind of messing me up. Um, we just made the call to, to remove remove them so he could stabilize and stay on grid. Yeah, but and I, overall, it's a very, it's, it's one of the most challenging questions to address. It's a very good question, and the answer is oftentimes kind of finesse. So um, I, I also think of it in context of, solo versus small gang so solo it's oftentimes uh if you're if you're in like a, a, a you're in a matchup against the same weight class right so cruiser versus cruiser um it's it's usually in your benefit to kill their drones because you're both doing similar amounts of damage output and so by removing some of their damage output in drones like 100 dps um, and then, you know, your drones are still alive because presumably you've used them to kill your opponent's drones. You now have a 100 damage uh, benefit for the, the remainder of the fight, which is usually a little bit longer. Um, in small gang, oftentimes it comes down to necessity, at least from my perspective. So if we're roaming and we're fighting and... Um, you know, a really key ship like our carries is communicating that he's being forced off by drones, then that is a necessity that we deal with them. But if those drones are on a cruiser in that same gang situation and we go, okay, uh, you know, he's like, these are annoying, but he can tank them and, you know, or he can leave grid and come back because he's not that integral role in our fleet. Um, then, it's it's more worthwhile as far as uh, the time spent trying to kill something to invest that time in killing the ships instead of those drones. The other situation where that comes into play is if there are enough ships using drones that 
it would be very difficult to distinguish and to kill individual drones. So if there's 15 light drones coming after targets, then that might be very difficult to prioritize and kill those um, fast enough to, to really mitigate them being uh, an issue. It might actually be just as fast to kill the three ships using those drones. Um, and that's kind of like... That, that it's it's a super hard question to answer because there's some situational aspects, there's some aspects that are kind of finesse, um, and it, you know there's like some general rules in my brain from experiences like that with you know solo PvP versus small gang. But those are the the two kind of categories that I try to filter into my head. Yeah, Is it a I necessity also, or not. I also look at ships like the Gila where. The Gila can fit five sets of medium drones. Um, so I, I wouldn't even bother with a Gila. Like, it, realistically, the time it takes you to kill, to drone starve them, is going to take ages. So I, I wouldn't even worry about it with ships like that. Um, it's also very, like Blood mentioned, it's so situational. If I'm holding, if I'm the sole person holding target, uh, holding point on something, and they drop EC drones, you best believe I'm, I'm, you know, doing the click and drag over the screen to target them all at once or hitting my drone tab as fast as I can to get those things targeted and taken care of. Um, another time, like, like again, situational, um, I recall I used to fly a kiting confessor, beam confessor, and I would, you know, find bigger ships like a, a Gnosis, I recall killing once, that launched drones, light drones that were wrecking me pretty hard, you know, lightly tanked ship, small active, active rep, um, and killing his light drones he had is what enabled me to get the solo kill on the Gnosis because uh, he had a set of lights to deal with smaller ships and then he had heavier drones as he had, you know, main drone damage on his Gnosis fit. So uh, things like that, you know, there's no point this drone, these drones are going to push me off. So I'm just going to kill them. And if I can live through that, you know, he's going to have trouble applying to me with his remaining drones and his turrets. So it's kind of it requires a lot of knowledge of what you're doing who you're against um and you know if you decide to kill him just go with it and kill him and see how it works out and you'll learn and and yeah make the right call eventually i guess it's it's a really tough one yeah on that thought of fighting the gnosis like general rule if you are fighting up ship if you're fighting a ship bigger than you you should almost always prioritize those drones. And I, like, I'm trying to think of a situation where you don't prioritize them, but really like you should always prioritize them because oftentimes those are the things that can actually apply to you. Um, most of the time, if you're fighting up ship, there's you're able to avoid the damage from their actual turrets or their, their, you know, cruise missiles or torpedoes or, or whatever, just because you are the smaller ship. Um, and, those drones are actually the most dangerous thing applying damage to you. So that becomes the priority. All right. So I think we, we did pretty well on that. Uh, let's move on to our next topic, which is just like a, like I mentioned in the intro, just like an overview on fly, flying styles. So we're going to talk about, um, you know, say brawling or, or cloaky or, or skirmish flying and kind of just give a general overview of what they are. Um, so we'll kind of move for the first few from, we'll work by ranges. So we'll start with kiting. And the first one is something that I'd like to call snipe kite 
which is like a more extreme range. So, you know, 70 to 200 for an example. And uh, one ship we could use is our, our jackdaws that we use a lot in Kronos and other people have used as well in Nanogang, uh, which, which shoot to about 130. You've got, you know, your rail tengus, your nagas, your your artillery, like bigger artillery ships, and tornado, arty material would be a good example of this. And these are generally ships where you're going to prioritize range and maybe speed over tank. So projection, big damage, lower tank, maybe some speed thrown in, depending on the ship. Um, generally, you're going to be supported by people that are between you and and your targets. So I don't know. Do you want to go into like Let's think here. Well, like I think that. there's really two main tactics when you're running a snipe-oriented composition or, or even just individual ship um, for getting kills. There's either having a tackle pilot in close, tackling something while you're sitting out at that range, applying a lot of damage and staying safe, or there is um, just the, the alpha of you know a group of five of them, and that takes coordination, but if you can apply enough damage quickly enough, oftentimes you'll just kill something because it takes too long for them to warp off grid or because they're kind of committed to the, the situation. Um, and I guess also thinking about cruise missiles and, and some of those really, really long-range fleet-oriented setups, um, those kind of fall in this category. But those, are, those rely on a critical mass. So we're not going to kind of consider those kinds of compositions to be small gang. Um, you know, those I feel like oftentimes require at least 30 plus um, to, to be using those tactics uh, effectively. But you can, yeah. you can even mix in though, like a cruise typhoon with an MJD or something along those lines. If you have the appropriate tools in your group, you know, target painters somewhere mixed in, um, to, to apply that similar tactic to this kind of activity. Um, but I think you, generally you're going to do things like jackdaws or tangus or, you know, nagas um, just because of their, their maneuverability and speed and um, they're cheap and stuff. And, you know, if you only have one or two people in the long range ships, they can really do a lot of work um, while being very safe and you, you don't need that same critical mass. I uh, I would really like to see someone use a uh, Tachyon Beam Oracle for this. So if anyone's listening and they want to try Tachyon Beam Oracle snipe snipe boat, please do and and uh, let us know how it goes. Dude, the Tac Nightmare used to be super super dope because you could you could still be moving pretty decently, you know, and uh, then like MJD away and stuff. Uh... Then uh, I guess we'll go into the next kind of topic area, which would be skirmish nano or skirmish kiting. And that's usually inside of 70K, like 70-ish kilometers into about 30 um, is kind of the range that I think of as skirmish-oriented. Some ships in those setups will shoot a little bit farther or um, not quite as far, but that's kind of the general range where you're seeing your normal nano gang activity and that's what we often refer to as nano gang would be more of that skirmish kiting type style where you are actively 
trying to uh, engage your opponents but not get too close to be caught and it's this dance back and forth of them trying to catch you and, and you trying to avoid them but still hold them um, and ships for that that are you know really commonly used things like orthoruses omen navy issues uh, on the higher end your dps ships might be a shield oracle with pulse lasers um, you might go something like an autocannon macarial or a, a standard like pulse nightmare um, on the smaller end you're looking at ships like kikimoras and retributions things that are fast agile and can can do damage and deal with tackle ships generally for speed i think of the 2.5 to 3 kilometer range as like the minimum to the sweet spot anything 3 plus is good cuz your biggest threat when and, and and we've kind of talked about this before when we were talking about general like our nano gang composition uh ships that we talked about i think this was in our first or second episode but your biggest threats that you are concerned about are things like tackle ships and you know long range webs or, or things that can catch you and slow you down so having that speed of 2.5 to 3 in my opinion is pretty optimal or, or required for this kind of flying yeah I, I tend to think of my flying styles in regards to tackle ranges so when i think about snipe kiting i think you're you're at a range where it's very unlikely you're going to get pointed so, you know, although very niche cases, point range can extend from 70 kilometers, um, you're not going to get pointed at 130. So that's kind of extreme kiting sniping where your speed maybe isn't super fast because you're so far away. When you move into skirmish, like Blood's been mentioning here, I think about uh, long point range. So it's, it's, you're, you're more than likely going to be able to be pointed, but not scrammed or webbed, hopefully. Um, and that's why we mentioned in previous episodes that things with long webs are so dangerous to, to skirmish gangs because, the, you know, you're flying right in that spot where they can now web you while normally they can't. So warp disruptors, you know, 24 normal. Uh, it's, no, it's not very uncommon to see 50 kilometer point ranges on specialized ships. So you're kind of in that, you know, 20 to 50, 20 to 70 range, right? And you need to have a faster ship because you need to be able to run away from those long points. Um, the whole key to kiting is is to be able to leave on your own terms, not, you know, oh, shit, I'm pointed. Well, they're, you know, 700 MS faster, so they're just going to slowly get, you know, closer to me and closer to me until I die. So, so you want to have, you know, general faster ships and you're operating within warp disruptor range, but outside of scram and web range. And then when we talk about brawling, now we're getting one step closer. So brawling, often you're going to be flying within scram and web range. So I don't brawl too much, but some of the, you know, the way you're going to fit your ship, you're going to look at either huge damage or, or big tank or both, you know, whether it's a huge active rep with like super stable cap battery fit or cap injected fit with, with big rep power or sometimes people will just go for a large EHP ships um, with, with some pretty big damage, like polarized brawling ships or like, a, you know, a Brutix Navy issue with a huge hull tank and a bunch of damage or, you know, any, any ship like that where 
They're just going to want to get in and throw a bunch of damage down and maybe tank things really well. <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's not really my choosing gameplay style, but some people excel at it. I The reason I don't like it is because you're always so committed to fights, so it's difficult to leave. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter how big your tank is if you're scrammed and you, you have difficulty getting away and then a Sino gets lit or more ships come in. You know, there's kind of many more variables that are outside of your control. While, while I'm kiting, I feel like those variables are more in my control. Yeah, I think... So I used to brawl a decent amount, um, like in low sec, and maybe a little bit in null, and I would use ships like Myrmidons and things that were pretty cost-efficient. Tri-Rep Myrm. Yeah, you know, and, and it's there. It was fun. There, it's. I think it's a, a part of your learning process that's very important um, because then if you're kiting, you know what the capabilities of a lot of those brawl ships are. Like, uh, you know, how, how much they can tank, um, you know, how fast they might be going. But, uh, but I never, yeah, I was always in that same boat too of where I always felt like, I was very committed and generally the people I was fighting had more dudes, like, you know, more people were coming. So I kind of, every time I took one of those ships out, I just admitted ahead of time that it was a loss. It's okay. I'm going to have some fun and I'm going to learn like, and hopefully I'll get some cool fights. Um, and so that aspect, I feel like if you are brawling, like don't, don't get frustrated you're gonna lose ships um and but learning how to lose those ships and how to potentially escape or take advantage of the opportunities and the mistakes that your opponents make um i think that's what that's the challenge in brawling there's a certain amount of challenge to module management but as you get more experienced um you'll you'll un you'll kind of feel like that might not be the real challenge anymore uh, and then when I start, I look at probably my favorite brawler in the whole world is Lucy Liu. Um, on YouTube, his channel is I Worst Player Ever, but Russian streamer. And not only is he very good at brawling and target priority, but he'll warp in an alt to drop himself cap boosters. He'll, he'll bring in a command destroyer to either jump himself away to escape or jump the opponents away so that you know he can relieve some new pressure there's some really clutch plays that he can do all around this idea of brawling um that are very very skill intensive and micromanagement intensive and i think that's like the apex level of brawling that's the the premier you know most challenging part of brawling that you can ever get to one, one brawling ship I did fly in the past, and I mean, it kind of speaks to what I like to do because it's kind of a, a mix between kiting and brawling, but was the uh, stabber fleet issue with the uh, dual rep, dual prop fit. So MWD, AB, scram, cap injector. And that way you still had uh, a way to get out because it was pretty quick with an MWD. And uh, if you were, you know, in scram range, you still had an AB to light to kind of get out of scram range. I mean, if you're scrammed and webbed down or, you know, it's another pretty quick ship hanging on to you, it can be tough, but you can, you know, you know like counter scram and heat your scram. 
And then as soon as you get out of scram range, you're still scramming them. And then you drop your AB and let your MWD and take off and leave. So, you know, ships like that, they're kind of walk the line between both, um, which is which is nice. Yeah, I think there's overlap between these categories and those areas of overlap are where you can get a lot of diverse content out of. Um, you can, by picking a ship that kind of fits in the middle between those two areas, uh, it's 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 weird because it's like you if you if you don't do it right, <laughs> you can you can be stuck in the middle and and not get the benefits of either. But if you use your tactics well, you can um, you can kind of ride that middle edge and take advantage of your opponent being set up uh, the opposite way. So like just a really quick mention because we talked at least myself and Pharaoh, we had kind of discussed including 100 MN in this um, in this list. And by going with a 100 MN cruiser, like an oversized afterburner setup, um, it's not really a full-on kite ship, and it's not really a full-on brawl fit. And a lot of times, those ships and are more oriented towards a semi-brawl. Um, where they're either using the 100 MN as a way to escape, or they're using it as a way to mitigate damage. And so they're somewhere in the middle, but they can be extremely effective. And so that's kind of one of those situations where you take a very specific fit geared towards a very specific goal, and it rides that line between the two. And it, it can be very effective if flown right, and if you're using good tactics. But it's not a get out of jail free card. It's if if you don't understand how the turning is going to be affected and, and you don't account for the extra fitting, you might sacrifice a lot of tank that you that you would need um, and you could die miserably. So it's those kind of middle areas that are that's where it gets finesse and that's where it gets more based on your experience and you coming up with and really spending a lot of time designing a fit to do a specific purpose and to be flown a certain way and then executing that is the challenge yeah i remember my first time in a hundred men ship several years ago it was a vagabond uh and i i found a fight this is in syndicate and pc nullsec find the fight you know they start coming at me they're kind of chasing and uh and i was like okay they're they're close enough like it's time to turn and burn here well i i turned very slowly and before i could burn you know there was webs on me and i just died in a fire i didn't kill anything so it it's it, it like you should really if you're going to fly 100 mn you should really practice on tranquility just like flying around because it flies so much different than anything else. Or you should get on Sissy and try and fight people there with 100 MN. But it's it, it's like the low agility is very different to fly. So again, yeah, and like practice. A lot of 100 MN Vagabonds were really kind of brawl-oriented. They were like Scram, Cap Injector, now Cap Battery, a Shield Booster, and the 100 MN. Um, I, I kind of yeah, did the opposite. Fit. Yeah, I, I kind of did the opposite. So I actually started with a overprop phantasm and this is the funny part is it could go like 5k a second in a straight line the problem i found i hardly ever killed anyone because as soon as they started dying or they started to get to a point they where just like, turn around 
yeah, they would just turn around and leave, and I like, I just I couldn't d- catch them. Like, yeah, it took me three hours to turn around. Um, yeah, from that, a, came, like, it's like a drag car compared to you know a NASCAR, essentially, or F one. Yeah. So from that, like, there were some really funny situations that I I ran into. Like one time, I bumped a like a it was a war decker, like a suspect baiting Proteus. I bumped him off the Dodixie undock, like. 60 kilometers because i had gotten a full run up <laughs> like, so as soon as he went off that undock like people just piled in on him uh stuff like that i, I like have bumped you know ratting ships off of citadels um those were those were always really fun one of the ships that i used to use a lot for 100 and men was like the vni because drones like you know, I guess this kind of fits in with our main topic, but drones could apply damage over a lot of different ranges. So I would set up a, a Vexor Navy with um, with 100 MN. This was before the changes. So almost all of their damage was specifically coming from like heavy drones. And, uh, and I would set it up with 100 MN. I'd have an armor rep on it and I would have drone speed in the mid. Um, and kind of doing some or maybe it was in a rig but by doing that kind of setup um it it gave me a lot of flexibility and it was really fun and it was pretty cost effective too um but uh yeah like as i kind of experimented more and played with it more i kind of uh slowly meandered away from that but uh that was a, a fun like concept that to to run as well so the last kind of flying style we want to mention is one that's very near and dear to my heart and that's cloaky gameplay so cloaky gameplay can involve kiting it can invite involve brawling uh but mostly it's all about that surprise factor you get to completely pick a fight on your own terms uh unless you pick it poorly and they're baiting you and they have cloaky ships or a sign out then you know it's on their terms but you know, you still made the choice to decloak to take that fight. So it, it's it's all about you know that surprise butt sex coming in. Uh, people people will hate you if you're a cloaky a cloaky. Uh, I'm not going to say the old term that people used to use, but uh, if you're a cloaky bastard, you know people are are going to hate you. So some common ships would be like even black ops kind of fall into this because a lot of the times you're using a cloaky ship to light the Sino, to tackle and light the Sino. Um, things like strategic cruisers and the Stratios are very, very good at being cloaky ships. Um, you have your your bombers, so that's another very common kind of cloaky meta where you bring in a bunch of cloaky bombers and either bomb things or, or torp them to death. But, you know, putting a cover ops cloak on something, it really, like this, so what really got me into flying cloaky ships uh, especially like the cruisers solo cloaky was um i have three kids and my my oldest is five my youngest are three so when my youngest two boys i have twins when they were born i i really had to get up a lot like i couldn't sit at the pc for two hours or an hour straight or sometimes even 20 minutes in a row and flying cop ops ships allowed me to just be like all right kids crying I could just, you know, hit my hotkey for my cloak and then get up and leave. I could warp to something at 70, warp to a safe and cloak. I'm good now. So they really enabled me to still play Eve when I had to get interrupted a lot. And from that, I I developed 
this love for flying like my cloaky legion and the, and the cloaky loki and things like that and i mean my cloaky legion i don't I, I pick some pretty poor fights sometimes like i fly it pretty recklessly so you know i'm able to get out and get through bubbles like people camp me in i just you know laugh at them and cloak through their bubble camp and leave things like that it's really entertaining to me to be able to do that so yeah that's that's kind of what i like there's again you can kite like my cloaky legion is a kiting ship but there's brawling cloaking ships there's of all kinds you know wormhole pvp there's tons of cloaking t3s that brawl um, the loki has a super strong active tank the tengu super strong active tank with an ab or you can kite the the loki like it's all over the place i just love cloaky ships um i can't say enough good things about them yeah i think wingspan tt videos and like that's those are the things that i think are always fun stories come out of cloaking you know like the cloaky fights where you're ambushing or or what have you and um yeah it's you can also kind of pair that with other activities like exploration so you can be cloaky exploring and then combat oriented and um yeah they're they're definitely like a unique play style i definitely throw blops into that category not for the aspect of using the a cloaking ship to light the sino which is is part of that most of the time but when the black ops sino into grid it's this the same idea the same um surprise factor that ambush type tactic that uh, is really integral to the cloaky gameplay um so yeah and i just want to point out um fellow big nose heaven eve player chesser uh started out eve gameplay doing uh, with a very prominent uh, blog about cloaky stealth bombers and stuff like that. So, you know, he's no longer with us in the Eve universe, but, uh, you know, cloaky gameplay got Chesser hooked. So if you're feeling like trying something new, maybe you should try that. You'll be the next Chesser. I find about once a year at some point, I end up taking a, a Stratios out into Nullsec and just, I always throw in like a data analyzer and a relic analyzer or like an integrated but I, I roam around in a full combat fit exploring and just make money just just to do a different type of gameplay style and inevitably i end up in some fights ambushing some dudes at some point somebody you know upsets me so i like hang out in their system for a week or whatever it is um until eventually i i end up dying and i go okay that was fun you know that was a good change of pace and now I'm going to go back to the wormhole and, and do nano again. But, you know, at, at least like at some point, I usually do that for a week or two um, once a year. And just it, it's a good, like, relaxed play style most of the time. You know, you're, you're like, I'm not in a rush to get anywhere or do anything because you can just cloak up. And, uh, and yeah, people, people can't, especially with blackout, people can't really see that you're there. And, I mean, there's some other parts like cloaky camping that is like eh, i don't know but um but the active cloaky gameplay is good yeah you can also if you have alts you can abuse the heck out of cloaky sino mechanics so like i have a setup where i have a t3 a sin and a viator the viator has a sino the the tech three has a sino and the sin has a bridge refit so at any point i could be like oh i killed something with my legion and it had great loot. I've got 700 mil in my cargo hold now. I'm going to find a safe. I'm going to um, 
bridge my bridge my hauler to me to store it, or I could just jump the sin to me and then light on my hauler, on my viator, and bridge my tech three and then jump my sin back to my hauler. The hauler is a fuel truck as well, carries refits. It's nice and safe. Like you can really abuse that kind of solo nomadic gameplay if you want to, you know, with cloaks. So it's a it's a lot of effort, but that's like that nomad lifestyle is pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's better to read and talk about than it is to do, but it's also fun to do. So that's kind of it for the the show content. We'll kind of get into our outro a little bit. Um, first off, I, I had a bit of a change in, in Eve myself. So uh, in our first episode, I mentioned I used to fly in a mercenary corporation called Noir. Uh, for years and years, it was kind of the corp I grew up in. And a lot of those guys, I'm still super good friends with them. You know, we still chat. We have our Discord server. And uh, with all this chaos and, and blackout, everyone kind of decided, let's get the band back together and let's try and reform Noir and do as we, we used to back before we joined a Mercenary Coalition and small gang mercs, basically. Um, so it's, you know, you have to be a little more timid when you're on contract, you're not, not quite as aggressive as I have been flying lately, but I'm looking forward to it. It should be super fun. It's, it's kind of a unique form of Eve being a small gang mercenary. Um, yeah, and, and Noir is recruiting as well. So if you'd like to join me, just feel free to poke me, anything like that, get at me. You can holler at me on Discord. And speaking of which, um, we have a Discord server. So we'll put a link to for an invite in the show notes. We got about 50 people in there uh, since last episode when we launched it. So thank you guys for joining. Some really great conversation in there. Got a mix of people. So if you want to get into small gang and you're looking for help, um, come in and ask us some questions there. And, oh shit, I wanted to mention something else, but I guess I won't. All right, you're going to be editing, so go for it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. And, and that's it. I mean, I, I don't really have an Eve highlight other than rejoining up with my old mates. Um, because, you know, I've had a really hectic real life uh, with being away for work and uh, death in my family. So I haven't uh, I haven't really been playing Eve too much, but I'm really excited to kind of get back into it as I have more free time coming up. Um, yeah, do you have any highlights or anything, Blood? Uh, I mean, that sounds super fun. Um, Noir is like one of those famed classic groups. A um, lot of history. That was kind of like right when I started playing Eve. I think was kind of the the height of Noir. Um, with Celine, I believe, was the former CEO, right, of Mercenary uh, Coalition? No. no? Okay. Yeah, he was he, uh, of MC, yes, but uh, but back in the day, Noir wasn't an, an MC. They, they just did their own thing. Oh, okay. Ale- Alexi of Card from Declarations of War was the longtime CEO. Gotcha. Okay. Now, so you can edit all this out, but were they part of in three when it was like nully noir nope okay huh so just edit out all the stupid stuff that i said (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but i'll just i'll kind of go back to the i yeah 
Yeah, that sounds really fun. Noir has been around for a long time, and they're kind of like a well-known group, um, mercenary group from back in the day. And I think having the opportunities that are coming up with the mechanics changes, and um, I think that's really exciting, dude. That that sounds good. I'm I'm happy for you. As far as me, um, summer's coming to an end, so I'm getting back into Eve. I'm getting back into like uh, some some of the more indoor hobbies and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and especially the most recent changes around Sinos and some of the things. I know we haven't touched on it, but I think in part, I want to see what the results are because um, I try to be delicate when it comes to people on Reddit because I think that there's a lot of times a, a knee-jerk reaction. And myself, I, I can be a subject to it as well. Um, but I want to see how things are, are kind of shaking out. And at least one week or, you know, maybe two weeks of really seeing how the activity is impacted. And, and myself, like, flying around and seeing what's going on in space. Um, because I do actually think that the industrial sinos being put back in to allow logistics to be a little bit more flexible was a good thing. I think we kind of talked about that at one point while we were discussing up, you know, sino changes upcoming, and so that's where I really want to see some some hard evidence of like how how people and what people are doing, how people are exploiting different mechanics and. Um, before we do like a, a full show on a current event yeah. like that. So when I when I heard about the JFs being able to jump to covert sinos, I was like, please, please give them a covert cloak. <laughs> yeah, cool, I was like how cool would that be? I was like, it's interesting. I wasn't sure if I was sold on it, but I was like, I get what they're trying to do. And no, yeah, now with sure. the industrial sinos, I'm like, this uh, you know appeases a portion of, of the player population in a way that's I don't feel is detrimental to the other player you know, population. Um, and so that's really like, I think, you know, listening to CCP rise talking on talking and stations, he, one, one of the ideas that he expressed was at least initially by creating the changes where only recons and black ops can light the sinos. Um, the idea was to get sinos as a mechanic to a place where they could then further balance them. Um, he, he talks a lot about levers, like ideally like just pieces of you know, attributes or balance things that they can adjust to reach an intended outcome. And because sinos were not only such a, a integral and powerful mechanic, but because they were also such a universal mechanic, you could fit them on every ship, um they didn't have those levers to balance them like they do a lot of other mechanics or a lot of other ships uh and so that's like i remember that statement sticking out to me and so that's again what i feel like is is the key differentiation between like the knee-jerk reaction and actually determining if something is good bad or otherwise is seeing if those levers are, in, are are able to be put into place and seeing how you need to tweak what levers are available to then get a mechanic to a healthy point where you can balance it. 
Like that's really where I hope these changes are going with chaos area era and different things. Um, and yeah, I guess that's my like overly analytical and nerdy like perspective of like caring about how they adjust this game. <laughs> yeah. So we just want to shout out a couple cool videos that we saw recently. One was uh, Satonia. He made a video detailing Thera. So Thera is a uh, the only wormhole in the game where there's stations like non player made player made stations like proper stations and uh it kind of goes through a lot of little tips of how to live there so if you're thinking about living in thera please give his video a watch and just want to shout out he created a new channel um i i actually messaged him on discord when i saw that he had made a new channel and he just kind of did it um so that he can post he, he feels poor posting non-pvp content to eve is easy so go give him a sub uh you know he does so much great stuff in our community so please support him and just throw him a, a sub on on youtube the other uh is a video of a pilot um i don't recall his name but he's flying a succubus so the sancha frigate right yeah um really good video great piloting great editing so give it a watch it's a, a really good one we'll link it in the show notes as well do you have anything else to add, Blood? I think that's that's pretty good. Yeah. And remember, guys, it's not the size of your gang. It's about how you use it.